Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, where the successful DC entrepreneur went to get immediate funding and why it worked. There is a big hole in investing in DC. I had a good business that was growing 100% year over year, and I couldn't get funded in the DC metro area. Our next guest is a person who's very much put his own money where his mouth is. He's now the leader, co-leader of Aldrich Capital, one of our region's largest venture capital funds with more than $260 million to invest in businesses here in the region around the United States. You know, many of us will often talk about venture capitalists as an important source of funding, but what isn't talked about as often is how somebody becomes a venture investor. Mirza's experience in becoming an investor is a story worth hearing for any entrepreneur who's looking to go looking to grow a business and looking for capital and understand that not every venture capitalist comes to the industry the same way. And how they join the industry very much shapes how they look at entrepreneurs. Mirza, first of all, thanks for joining us. Jonathan, thank you for having me. Tell us how somebody like you, Mirza, you know, a um, an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, a proven entrepreneur, how does that relate to becoming a VC? What were you doing before you started Aldrich Capital? I was a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I had started three startups uh, they were in different tech sectors. I had gone through that route of raising money, meeting with investors, building a business, uh, and realized how difficult it was to do this in a market like D.C. Uh, for the last startup uh, in, two th in the crisis, 2008-2009, I met with every investor, or investor group, potential investor group here in the D.C. metro area. I got turned on by every one of them. And then finally, I went to Silicon Valley. And there, over a period of seven days, 2010, early 2010, I got six term sheets. And I realized that there is a big hole in investing in D.C. I had a good business that was growing 100% year over year. And I couldn't get funded in the D.C. metro area. When I talk with entrepreneurs, and I'm sure this is true for you as well, I often find people start businesses based upon something that really bothers them. And it sounds like that's the situation here. But you were bothered by the industry and how you were treated. Having said all that, though, you then took 2010, you sat down, you sat with your partners, and you ran a business. That's right. right. And you made money because you sold the business. That's right. Why did you just go off and retire and play golf like a lot of people do? When I was younger, I used to think my ethnicity or my college was the folks that I identified with. But today, as I've grown older, I realize my people are the entrepreneurs. I identify with them, identify with their journey, identify with what they have sacrificed, their blood, sweat, and tears. And for me, when I meet other entrepreneurs, it feels like I'm meeting a member of the family. And if I can be part of that journey, and if I can help them, uh, I am grateful. I know that sounds hokey, but unless you have sacrificed a tremendous amount for your business, you don't you cannot identify with that. In 08, I was doing my third startup uh, with uh, my co-founders. Uh, we were bleeding money. We didn't have the right model. There was no credit lines available. Vendors that were servicing us were asking for money earlier. The people that we were servicing were asking to pay later. We had hired for growth, except uh, now the markets were shrinking. We were servicing the auto industry, the finance industry, two industries that were shrinking pretty dramatically. We were servicing markets like Ohio and like Toledo. So we were in the shrinking market with increasing cash demand needs. And both my co-founder and I laid everything on the line. 
So unless you've been part of that journey and you don't under, uh, uh, you've gone through that journey, you just don't understand what it takes to build a business. So when we meet other entrepreneurs, we say, we get them. We get the journey they've been on and we want to be part of that journey. If we can help them grow their businesses uh, and make money at the same time, we want to be part of that journey. And I think that that is a hallmark that any experienced entrepreneur has. We, re we respect and want to work with others. But having said that, Mirza, my experience having started businesses and funded businesses, it's very different when you own your own business and your principal compared to when you're invested in a business where you're more of a coach. How have you found the, the conversion from going from one to the other? It's taken a minute to go from being a person who runs a business to being an investor. So there are definitely very different roles. But the thing you realize well, by the time you get to your third business is even if you're a founder of a business or co-founder of a business, your job really is to be a coach. It's leadership from the bottom in the sense that the servant leadership in this, you, you help folks that are trying to reach their potential, but they're doing it in your business that you've co-founded or you founded. And in the same way, when you deal with other founders, you're helping them reach their potential. You're coaching them. You're giving them advice. You're stepping away when you need to. You're stepping in when you need to. And if you have gone through that role a couple of times, you realize you can actually do this well. Because at the end of the day, businesses you're investing in, uh, they're part of um, your business. And you have to treat them the same way that you did uh, if you were scaling a business. So as you go from successful entrepreneur to investor, there's an intermediate period that I find many successful entrepreneurs go through where they invest their, their own money in the businesses. And I know that that's something you and your partner did. You took tens of millions of dollars from your exits and started Aldrich in that way. But now you've modified to what people would describe in the industry as a professional VC fund. You have outside money. How is that different uh, for you? Does it seem like it's different from when it's your own money? Are there different dynamics? Is there things that Maybe put another way, an entrepreneur coming to a VC, yeah. are there things about the relationship with the outside investors that an entrepreneur needs to understand in order to feel comfortable taking money from a VC? I think if you're just in the business of placing bets, entrepreneurs can sense it. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs, by and large, have a very high degree of detecting BS, and they can detect it from far away. Mm -hmm. So if you're just there placing a bet, and you're going to check in once a quarter and tell the entrepreneur, hey, I think you should increase revenue they're going to sit there and Duh. say exactly <laughs> right. say thank you sherlock uh, right, exactly. we're on the, <laughs> thank you for telling us what we need to do mm -hmm. increase revenue thank right. you but if you tell them that here are like practical five ways to increase revenue here are two where we can be helpful in here are three you should go explore and here's one maybe you'd bring in some outside resource to help you they appreciate that and i think that's a different way of looking at it and then more importantly when you explain to them that you're not just doing this with other people's money, but you're doing this with your own. That resonates incredibly differently than just saying, I raised some money from some ultra high net worth individuals who shall not be named, uh, but I'm just placing a bet. And in shades for 20% of the profits without anything in, in, in any skin in the game. That's right. Uh, and we have a lot of skin in the game. For my partner, Raz, uh, who I'm incredibly grateful for in terms of helping me with my third business, but also being a partner with me. Uh, and myself and our friends and family, we are more than 10% of the fund. And that is uh, is a big deal. It's an anomaly in our industry. The reason it's an anomaly is most private equity VC funds have between 1% to 3% of their committed capital coming from the team. 
In our case, it's more than 10%. We're almost, you know, between four to 10 times higher than normal. Before I let you go, really quickly, since I think you're the kind of fund I'd want to take money from, what kind of deals are you looking for? We look for companies that are in healthcare IT, fintech, application software, companies in the lower middle market. The companies are typically more than 10 million in revenue, uh, founder-run businesses that have done uh, that have built their business the old-fashioned way. They've bootstrapped their business and grown their business, and typically in geographies outside of Silicon Valley and New York. That's where 80% of tech investing dollars go today. Well, Mirza, we really appreciate you coming on, folks. Make sure you check out Aldrich Capital. Mirza Beg, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you to our sponsor, Tedco. Tedco invests in early stage tech and life science companies. It provides resources and connections that companies need to thrive in Maryland. Tedco's mission is to discover, invest in, and help build great companies. Learn more at www.tedco.md. And a thank you to our sponsor, JLL. JLL is a leading commercial real estate service company within the Washington, D.C. metro area, serving the technology, government contracting, and professional services industries. JLL's strategy-led approach and expert implementation results in cost-effective and flexible real estate solutions that help their clients succeed and grow. Thank you to Speakerbox Communications. Speakerbox is your team for meeting the unique demands of the technology sector, crystallizing complex ideas, targeting highly intelligent buyers, and moving at the speed of tech. Since 1997, they've given voice to many of our industry's top thinkers and performers. Check them out at speakerboxpr.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Tandem Product Academy. If you're looking to grow a software technology business and you're past your first five employees or your first half a million dollars in revenue, their free educational program will teach you how to grow your business. Supported by a broad group of our region's leading business organizations and local governments, Tandem Product Academy is free to participants. Learn more at tandeminnovate.com. Thank you for joining us on What's Working in Washington. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan, online writer Barbara Ulrich, music provided by two D.C. region bands, Two Car Living Room, and The Sunbathers. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for listening. See you next time.